is Rusty Milton, one of the pastors here. Great to have you. Great evening to worship the Savior. If you're in one of the overflows, thank you for being there. And uh, hope you, we hope you have a great evening of worship there as well. Uh, if you would, look in your Bibles with me at Luke chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Luke chapter 1. So here's what's going on. Just a little bit of context for you. Um, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and told her that she's going to have a child. Verse 32. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And when the angel departed, she went to the hill country to visit her cousin uh, Elizabeth who was going to be the mother of John the Baptist. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, she too was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says, blessed are you amongst women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And as soon as she speaks those words, Mary literally bursts forth in song and, and, and worship. She, and her first words are this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's the response. <laughs> Here we find what Christmas is, what's at the heart of it, what it's really about. It really is about magnifying God for what he's done in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives. And, and doesn't that give us peace? Doesn't that give us rest? That we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have the perfect home or perfect tree. There, there's one task set before us to experience and magnify the greatness of Christ. So if you would look at, we'll start reading around verse 39 and just go down a few verses. Luke chapter 1. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Stop there. Let's pray for our time. Father, we, uh, we want to be a people that magnify, Lord, you and you alone during Christmas, that are our hearts and our focus would be upon the greatness of what you've done and let that come to us in heart and in mind afresh. A story that we've heard, most of us, hundreds, thousands of times, but yet 
There's so much glory in it, so much amazement in it, Lord. Let it come to us afresh, O oh Father, and lead us to worship tonight and tomorrow and throughout the year. Let your spirit work tonight, we pray in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, when we were living overseas, uh, Jennifer and my daughter Adelaide went to the mall to pick up a present. And when they came back, I said something like this, how did it go? And little Addie said, people sure do have the Christmas spirit. Tis the season to be grumpy. And Jennifer turned to Addie and said, is that, is that what Christmas is about? And Eddie said, no, we, we buy gifts because the wise men gave gifts. And to show the great gift of the gospel and of Christ to us. But that was her experience. One of her early experiences was just the experience of the hustle and bustle at a mall and the grumpiness of the people. And I want to ask you, what, what is your experience of Christmas like? What's your home like? your heart like? You say, Rusty, what do you mean? Well, often we can make Christmas about having the perfect tree or the perfectly decorated house or just the presents that are, are right for each person or if you're like me and you're cheap, getting the perfect bargain on everything. Everything's got to be 50% off. Or maybe the perfect meal that that will make everybody joyful. And so those are great things. And those are good things. And our hearts magnify them. And often a good Christmas becomes about having all those things performed perfectly. And at a good price. Now, in Luke 1, what we learn from this godly woman, Mary, is Christmas really is about one thing for the believer. You know, it's God fulfilling all the Old Testament promises and prophecies in a child born in a nowhere town of Bethlehem to an ordinary young girl, a virgin by the name of Mary, who's engaged to a real simple man, a carpenter. And from such simple things, God would bring forth the hope and the salvation of the world. And when we believe that, we can turn away from having the perfectly performed Christmas and really have a season where we're resting in God's perfect Savior. And our goal is to see and experience the greatness of Christ in our home, in our own hearts, and in our lives. So here's the main idea, that Christmas is about magnifying God for his faithfulness. That's it. And I hope that gives you freedom. Okay, so let's just jump into this text. First thing we want to see is the promises made and the promises fulfilled. Look at verse 31 in your Bibles with me. Let's start here. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Notice those words, Mary will conceive. He does not say bear for the father, which would be customary, but she's going to conceives, it, it means she's going to have a child. And, and she understands what's being expressed to her because she's a virgin. 
So she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She begins to get it that she's going to conceive a child unmarried, a thing that's never been done before as a virgin. And I think what probably comes into her mind is a very famous text that every Jew would know, a prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And so certainly what's going through her mind when the angel appears to her is, is this Emmanuel, is this God with us that Isaiah told us about 700 years earlier? Well, it it goes on. Look in your Bible. And you shall call his name Jesus. So God himself gave this child that name. And it's a very particular name. It's derived from Joshua, and it means something like God saves. He, He explains it well in Matthew 121, for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel gives a name that really defines the purpose of this child, that God would save his people from their sins in this child. But he goes even further, verse 32 and 33. Look what he says here. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now when she hears that, certainly she understands. But notice, the Son of the Most High. Verse 35, he will be the Son of God. What the angel is saying is, this child will not just be Emmanuel, God with you, that Isaiah spoke about. This child will be the one promised to King David. Let me read you that promise. 2 Samuel chapter 12, or chapter 7, starting at verse 12. Listen. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers to King David, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now notice these words. I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. That's what the angel is talking about. God gave David this amazing promise of an eternal kingdom. A king from his line would reign forever. And this king would be called the very son of God. And for Israel, all their hopes were connected to these promises of God. And so the angel borrows these titles, these promises, these prophets, and says to Mary, this is what is taking place in your womb. You know, when a sailor is at sea in a ship, and a ship that has every provision, everything that you might need for a successful voyage, all that he or she might have in that ship is is really of no use at night unless they have a lantern, unless they have a torch or something that gives light. Because when a storm comes, they have no ability to find the supplies that they need to survive. Or uh, weather comes badly to them and without a lantern, they can't make use of their provision. Even though they might have such supplies without a light, they're useless. Yet in a storm or at night, When you have a lantern, even though it's pitch black, you can go up and down the mast or down in the galleys or work on repairs in the boat. Here's my point. The promises of God about the Messiah coming were like great lanterns or light 
which gave hope to the Jews in dark times that God would be faithful to his covenant, but also allowed them to know and recognize the Messiah when he comes. And so what you see here is the angel is taking the torch of all the promises of the Messiah coming, and he is shining them for Mary and saying, that is what's taking place now in your womb. And notice how she responds. Here's point two. Notice her response of praise. Verse 36, look in your Bibles with me. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Stop there. Now remember, before Gabriel appeared to Mary, he appeared to Zechariah serving in the temple. And he told him his barren wife, Elizabeth, was going to have a child. And now the angel tells this message to Mary. And the Holy Spirit was upon Mary. And when she hears all this, she goes to her older cousin Elizabeth's house in the mountains. And as soon as she greets her, Elizabeth too was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon her and she blesses Mary. And then Mary lets loose the only response to the message of the gospel, the message of grace. Verse 46 and 47, look in your Bibles. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Stop there. To magnify can really have two meanings. First, it can mean to take something that's quite small, let's say like a small beetle and, and make it look like a dinosaur. You've magnified it. You've, you've actually made something that's in actuality small look and appear big. The other meaning of magnify is to take something that's actually big and large and giant, but it appears small to us like the moon, and you magnify it so that you begin to see its greatness. That's what Mary is talking about here. To magnify means to take something that from our human perspective seems small and magnify it to look as big as it really is. is to telescope something to help us see how big it really is. And Mary's response to Jesus, to the gospel, is the only response. She wants to telescope God's grace. She wants to show the world how great her God is. And notice the two words there. Soul and spirit used together. And what she's saying is she is moved to the depths of her being, her innermost parts. And the work of God is so great. My whole being must be used to telescope, to show the greatness of this God to the world. <laughs> she launches in worship. That's the only way to say it. Now, my friends, all of our lives telescope. Or glorify something in the world, right? Especially during Christmas. But, but the problem is, is, often it's not Jesus. Let me explain. Some time ago, we celebrated Christian, Christmas with a man who was a Christian. And he did nothing but magnify all the imperfections of Christmas. So, the meal wasn't great. Okay? The turkey was... A little too dry for my taste. The gifts weren't really what he wanted 
or expected to receive. And the children were bratty and unappreciative. The weather was bad, and the coffee tasted like an ashtray. Now, we are often so disappointed, so let down by Christmas, because deep down Christmas is either a success or failure based upon how my glory or what I want to see telescoped is telescoped. Have I gotten what I wanted? The gospel frees us from all of that. The gospel gives us freedom not to have the perfect tree or the perfect meal or everybody that we want at our table. When Mary heard the gospel message, it turned her whole heart and soul to wanting to magnify God and rejoice that God chose her and was bringing his son and all the promises of salvation to the world. They'd finally come. Now, let's close with this. Three ways, three ways I hope in your home that Christ is magnified during this Christmas season. So, okay, Rusty, you're saying that Christmas is about magnifying, showing the greatness of who our Savior is and what God's done. Yes, three ways that we see in this text. First is this. Christmas is about the greatness of God's holiness. Verse 49, holy is his name. Why did this child come? The answer is holiness. Verse 53, the Holy One is born will be called the Son of God. God's plan was to restore holiness so he can restore friendship and relationship with you and me through sending a holy one who he would join to us by faith to make us holy. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's his purpose. That's how God made you holy before him. He joined you to Christ. So my friends, make Christmas about magnifying God for his holiness, his beauty, his perfection revealed so well and so perfectly in the Son of God. Secondly, Christmas is about the greatness of his power. Verse 49, he that is mighty has done me great things. <laughs> Mary's response to everything God said he was going to do in her and through this child was first. How can this be? This thing is impossible. My friends, the message of the gospel is a message of God's power. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Christmas is about magnifying and showing God's power. The power of God to become a holy man. The power of God to take, truly take our sins away from us and die for them. The power of God then to be raised from the dead. The power of God to save us by faith alone from first to last. And the power of God to keep us in faith to the very end. Third and finally, Christmas is about magnifying God's mercy. Verse 50. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. There's a quote by a very, an old minister by the name of John Owen, a theologian. He says this, God's blessedness, happiness, self-satisfaction, as well as all his other infinite perfections were the same before he created anything while it was just himself. 
What he's saying is God didn't have to create anything or save what it created when it was sinful to be happy or perfect. The reason God sent his son, first, all the promises of what he would do, fulfilling those promises in this holy child was mercy. He chose to have mercy on us, those who don't deserve it. Mercy and grace. And Christmas is about magnifying, showing the greatness of his grace and his mercy to a sinner like me, saved by faith. Let me pray for us. Father, I just praise you for, um, thank you for this time when we can sit at your feet and do the one thing necessary, like to magnify you, to worship you, to listen to you. Lord, and there are so many messages, and I know men and women come in and they feel like they've got so much to do tonight, so much food to prepare, and people are still coming, and this is not done. And we just want to take all those cares right now off of our weak shoulders, cast them upon you, the Spirit's mighty shoulders, and say, take them from us. Let us be free. If the Son has set us free, we're truly free. God, in tonight and tomorrow, Lord, let us have one task set before us, and that is in everything to show the greatness of Christ, Lord, and rest in what he's done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.